0: This episode is brought to you by Portland Distro. If you like underground music, movies, and more, go to PortlandDistro.com for licensed merch, vinyl, CDs, and more. Plug in the discount code 666 at PortlandDistro.com for 15% off on all purchases. Hello, everyone. Another week has gone by. And we're back with Everything Went Black this week. It's Ralph and I again. And this episode is actually um, unique in that it comes directly from the Patreon group. And I'd like to thank Alex for suggesting this. So what Ralph and I are going to do this week is talk about the most influential guitarists on what we do creatively. And, uh, you know, neither one of us are shredders, but, uh, you know, these, this is like, I guess, the icons to us that we've modeled ourselves after and uh, and how that's influenced us as players. And, you know, I mean, neither one of us are ripping solos like Eddie Van Halen or, you know, Ingve Malmsteen. So you won't find any of those people on the list per se. And um, so, yeah. So, Ralph, how are you doing?
1: Um, I'm doing actually okay, like uh, except for the madness at school. Uh, It's the pandemic, which is still a drag. Um, It's a sunny, really sunny but cold Saturday afternoon. I just had a great walk with uh, my buddy dog, Titus, and listened to a lot of music. Uh, I just got... um, the new Adam Neville book you suggested and oh, I read yeah. the first first uh, 50 pages and yeah, that's great, man. Um, so I'm actually feeling okay. Yeah, it's like I'm relaxed uh, looking forward to this episode. It's a great idea. So yeah, it's cool that people like reach out through the Patreon
0: and suggest things they would like us to do. That's awesome. I'm glad you enjoy the book. You're enjoying the book, man. Neville is like one of the top weird fiction writers out there right now. You know, contemporary guy. Uh, Before we get going, I want to thank our new patrons on the Patreon uh, system. We got William, Brent, Marcos, and Ralph. (laughs) So, thanks for joining. Uh, If you guys aren't familiar with what Patreon is, it's uh, basically, essentially, it's a way of supporting the podcast. You could join at a couple of different levels. You can do like a $1 membership which gives you access to the the bonus episodes or you can do the level 2 $5 membership which gives you access to everything as soon as it's done. All the regular episodes go on Patreon so you don't have to wait a week to listen to everything plus the bonus episodes. And one of the things that Ralph and I discussed is that if you're on Patreon you can actually make some recommendations as to subjects or things that you want to hear on this show. So, not to say that we're not going to—you know—we're going to ignore you guys out there who aren't Patreon members. But if you're on Patreon, you get a little bit more juice just because you're part of the elite team. Would you say that? Would you agree with that, Ralph?
1: Yeah, we could call it the Cthulhu Youth Crew or something. <laughs> you know, like our. We have like our own Turbo Jugend. No, uh, yeah, no, like it's uh, the Patreon system is just so cool. And uh, I I follow a couple of like sources that have a Patreon. And when I decided to like, OK, so let's join and I joined like several things. I'm like also, yeah, like why not join the Everything Went Black? Because I mean, I, I took the cheap ass one dollar solution because I'm a cheap ass guy. Um, but first of all, yes, I'm involved in this thing. But second, uh, exactly, like I'm like before everything, I'm a fan of what you do with the podcast. And there's a lot of stuff you do and you've been doing it for years. So it's cool for me to support this. And also like the money goes, goes like to good sources in the end. So it's not like that you will make, uh, you will paint your, uh, your town hall of an apartment with golden curtains or something. It's uh the money goes to good sources, it's fun for us, it supports your work, uh the web space that you pay and stuff. So I mean, you know, like a dollar a month, that's like twelve dollars a year. That's like not eating one pizza at one Friday where you're bored. So that should be should be worth it for all of this fucking content that's on there. And that's already so much cool stuff to check out.
0: It's substantially less than one cup of coffee, I might add. Uh, and also, um, yeah, I mean, we're still figuring out other ways to utilize this thing. I know, I know that there's uh, a way to schedule uh, a live, like hangout with members, and you know, things like that, where we can, you know, do a hangout and talk and discuss things live. And uh, I'm exploring that, you know, and just seeing what other other uh, you know possibilities there are. Now, one of the other things you mentioned is that we're. The money's not just going into my pocket so I can, you know, blow it on cocaine and hookers. <clears throat> I use my own money for that, so. <clears throat> but the, um, oops excuse me. <clears throat> I have to cut that out. The money is actually, every quarter, we're going to donate a portion, or we're going to donate donate the entire month's funds to a, uh, a charity and the, in April, we're going to do a, a literacy ch- charity. So that's, um, you know, we're keep in mind that we're not, we're not just trying to take, we're trying to give, you know, and, and, um, and that's, uh, you know, one of the positive things behind this whole thing. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. And, and I mean, this is not a, like a cash machine. Um, but it's fun. I mean, You mind you, of all people, you've been doing it for years, and you have necromaniacs, and you have everything went black. So you're a guest on several other podcasts. It takes a lot of time what you do next to your actual job, and uh, I think to like to support this in this cause, and then not not even like as you said, like not working into your wallet, but like actually doing something good with this. So Mike and I talked about like. like sources that should get the money um and we will change that up so we have different kind of cool foundations mm-hmm. and shit where we think like people deserve that and that's where your money is going to end up and do something good and you support us because we can do what we like here it's 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 fun for us um and it's cool that we can like we get to interact with all of you out there We have like, I mean, I operate the the Instagram and there's people reaching out and it's always like, oh, Mike, here's a mail for you. And we get back to people. And on the on the Patreon, there's a like a whole system of like commenting things and discussing things. And I think that's where also you can write mails. And that's where this idea came from for today's episode and motivated by what we're going to do today. We had another great idea. Uh, should I tell him about this now, Mike? Or yeah, go ahead, later? man.
0: Go for it. We're we're on the subject, so just go for it.
1: Yeah. So um, we love the interaction with you out there. There's so much cool feedback and suggestions of like music or or movies we should check out. And so now this today is like a fan suggestion. Like we, I want you to discuss this topic, which will might which Mike will introduce to you in a minute. But we thought about. How about we're doing something like a QA? and a Because there were questions about like, oh, yeah, you mentioned this band once or did this. Um, how about this? You guys can contact us through the Patreon um, and ask us questions like things that you would like Mike and I to discuss or tell about our opinion on it or shit like this. So we'll gather these questions, and then at some point, we'll pick out, I don't know, we'll just pick out some and record an episode where we discuss your questions to us about, well, whatever you want to ask us.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that I have to apologize that uh, my voice is a little froggy as a result of intense band rehearsals. Over the next few weeks, you guys will, re- will understand why we're rehearsing so much, and I'm just going to leave it at that.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Not that we don't rehearse a lot, but there's an extra bonus motivation now to put in yeah. some extra time rehearsing and getting ready for the live performances. So I can't say anything right now, you know, but in the, in the next few weeks, we'll be announcing some cool stuff. So... What are we going to talk about today, Mike? Well, before we do that, I, I you know, in the spirit of community, I want to just uh, also thank uh, Jackie Smith at uh, Into the Necrosphere for really helping us out by mentioning us, mentioning us on his fine podcast, Into the Necrosphere. Which, if you're a fan of black metal and extreme music, you definitely need to check that out. And he's that is he's literally the only music podcast I listen to, and every Tuesday I tune in. And I have he delivers an incredible show. So, by all means, if you don't listen to him already, check him out. And also, Brandon Legion of the Horror Wolf Podcast is also part of the part of the team, part of the community. And uh, the the really cool thing about all this is, it used to be years ago, I would like say things like, "Music is how I have people in my life. Like everyone that's been important to me in my life." I've met through music it's been my sole connection to the world really um, now I can say that a lot of my friends I've met through podcasting you know and I and I count Jackie and I count I count Brandon as friends and we've developed a friendship through podcasting, communicating via or you know whatever technology we have out there. I've been guests on their shows they've been guests on mine, and it's just like. Really cool, and I feel very fortunate to be part of this thing, and and uh, you know that's why I'm mentioning the, mentioning these guys. And not not only do they do great work on on the podcasting front, but they're they're friends, they're actual friends, and and you know I just want to shout those guys out.
1: Yeah, I would I would add our buddy Carl Hikara. Yeah, yeah, um, Carl is not doing a podcast, but he's Yet. very active. Um on on uh, Facebook and he's doing this great online radio show called the Upstairs Room. Um, It's like he he does like some of the best playlists that uh, I've heard in a while. So that's always cool. Like when a new episode comes out and after great papers or just like driving home in my car from work and it's just like put on this playlist and it's just like all killer no filler. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, Carl, totally. shout out to you. Yeah.
0: Yeah, Carl Carl's also a uh, encyclopedia of knowledge regarding weird fiction and and other literature. So um we talk about that a lot and I'm sure you and you know Ralph and and you could probably talk to him about that stuff all the time too.
1: Right, yeah. Suggested great bands. He got some bands from me and is always like, "Oh, do you know this? Do you know that?" He's a musician himself, does some cool stuff and uh yeah, man, just a uh, I Well, hopefully at some point I can meet all these people in real life. That would be awesome.
0: Yeah. So once again, for today's episode, this comes from Patreon. Thanks, Alex, our buddy Alex. And uh, he the, the request was to talk about influential guitar players. And um, so Ralph and I decided that, you know, I mentioned before that we're not shredders. Like we're not one of these Ingve, you know, Van Halen type, you know, people. Uh, I guess you and I are more—I would say—songwriters or stylists or something like that. So, yeah. so we're going to start from the beginning and talk about some of the guitarists that have molded us as creative people. And why? And for first off, why? Why guitar? Like, w- what got us even interested in playing guitar? So, yeah, cool. that's basically the—you know—that's the premise of the show this week. Yeah.
1: We hope that's what Alex wants. <laughs>
0: Well, Alex, yeah. if that's
1: not what you wanted, ask us again, and we'll do another one with
0: <laughs> nah, I, I, you know, the specifics. I think, I, I think we we hit on what what he wanted, so so yeah, there we go. Yeah, all right, cool. So, why so, did you start yeah, playing with, guitar, man? <laughs> to, to get late, bro. Of course. Well, besides besides <laughs> chicks, like why?
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, I actually wanted to be a drummer first. Um, that, like, little did I know about how uncool most drummers are. <laughs> no, like, no, I don't know offensive drummers. It's like, I just, I could never do what you do. I like, I tried. I even played drums on one record, but I, I, I fucking sucked. Um, no, man. It's just like, I wanted to play a rock instrument real bad, and my. Father said you're like you're uh you're not musical. Like you're like wow. not, you know, like you can't it's like, dude, you never let me even try an instrument. It's like, no, no, you can't do it. It's like great, cool. So he suggested I learn the tuba. And I'm like, uh so okay, dude, I'm an overweight guy in his puberty and you want me to play the fucking tuba. I will never meet any any person that wants to be my friend. So um then like <laughs> I couldn't. I couldn't afford a drum, and there was no room anywhere. So I went for the next best thing, and um, that was the bass guitar. Because uh, I like I, I saw guitar players, but at that time when I said like I want to learn an instrument, um, I was so hooked. Like hooked of uh, Justice for All by Metallica, which doesn't even have a bass sound, but. Um, <laughs> I saw the life. I saw the live videos, and Jason it was one of the coolest guys I've seen on these metal videos. So that was the guy. Like, oh man, I want to be a bass player. And then I uh, I wanted to get a bass, and of course my father said, like, no, nope, you won't get money for this. But I, I I snuck into like a compound where rehearsal spaces are underneath, like an industrial building in the little town I come from, and I started to hang out with these punk kids. And in this rehearsal like complex, there was a, like a Nazi band. Oh Jesus. And, uh, yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like one of these, you know, like ret- like German redneck Nazi bands. And at some point, oh man, I was 13, 14, I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, the, the decision was made that we break into their room and just flood the room <laughs> and, uh, So we did this and I I, I hope like when I'm I'm 42 now, so I hope the police can't find me anymore for this. But we decided to go in there uh, like we broke open the door and just like flooded the room with buckets full of water. And there was like a a, like a cheap ass bass guitar sitting like next to the door. It didn't have any strings. It looked broken. So when we fled, I just took it and ran away. Did it have like like a
0: swastika on it or anything like that?
1: Yeah, no, it was just like a ch- super sketchy, shitty bass. Like you know, I don't, don't, no, I don't think there were any band stickers on there. Um, but I took this home, um, took my my allowance, got some bass strings, had someone tell me how to adjust them, and I hid it in my in my closet and like just like practice bass playing. And at some point, I got allowed to like take a course of bass guitar. And, uh, but there were no bands in like, uh, like that I wanted to join. I played in a German punk band for a while where we did like German punk covers and uh, did like shitty cover versions of like pop songs. It was terrible. Um, and then I changed schools and there were these like, I, by that time I was already into hardcore and punk, like real hardcore. And there was one guy, he was like two classes above me, and he wore an integrity shirt. And I entered and I had a, I think it was a neglect shirt, or a, yeah, I think it was a neglect shirt. And he's like, Oh, wow, you, you know neglect? And I'm like, Yeah, dude, you know integrity. And he's like, Yeah, cool. So we started hanging out, and he had a band called Absent, a vegan straight edge hardcore band, but it sounded more like integrity. Um, because these guys were all over the holy terrace stuff. And then they said like, yeah, we don't need a bass player. We have one, but we need a second guitar player. I'm like, yeah, I just know the bass. And it's was just like, yeah, man, if you do like, if you use the second finger and you learn a power chord, you can play the guitar pretty much for what we wanted to do. <laughs> so they got me like, I, I took my, 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 my bike rode out to one of the rehearsals. The other guitar player had a second guitar, showed it to me. And I started practicing like an idiot, and like when uh, I st- joined the band, and yeah, everything from there uh, well, started evolving. But that's the way I had to
0: get into guitar playing. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I, um, <clears throat> for me, I, I I was always very active in music as a kid. I mean, my, my parent, my mom specifically, was happy that I had interest in music because she was always afraid of me getting hurt doing sports because the only sports I was interested in were uh, wrestling and football, you know, and, um, Mm -hmm. she was always against that kind of stuff. But nonetheless, my dad intervened and, you know, was like, yeah, the the boy has to, uh, become a man somehow, you know, in his uh, narrow worldview of what men really should be. So, uh, (laughs) so, my mom was happy that I was playing clarinet and trumpet and violin, and there was this very, very good program at my school. So I, I was interested in music. And then, you know, I was listening to the early heavy metal stuff that I liked, you know, Judas Priest, you know, Van, the aforementioned Van Halen, you know. And I'm like, man, this is, like, hmm. incredible. You know, I don't... I thought about playing guitar. And I was like, oh, man, there's no way I would, you know, be able to play stuff like this. So... Back in the day, on uh, on the USA Network, there was a show called Night Flight, which now you can actually get the Night Flight app on your um and, and watch all the old material they had. And uh, there was always these uh, live performances of various bands uh, that you would tune into on television. You know, it was on cable TV, and uh, I saw the Go Go's performing a live set. And the mix, the live mix, the bass was like a very prominent sound. You know, like the, it was like a very, it was high in the mix, I guess. You know, so I'm like, man, the bass. And, you know, the Go-Go's have pretty happening bass bass uh, lines on their songs. Yep. So I'm like, I think I could do this, man. Like, they, you know, it's like you, you one note, you know, you could play one. You don't have to play these crazy chords or anything. So I'm like, all right, I want to play bass, all right? Bass, that's what it is. I wanna be like the go go's playing bass these cool bass lines. Then I took guitar lessons in school, all right, and we had a teacher, his name was Mr. Binder. There was two two teachers. I was in middle school at this point, Mr. Binder and Mr. Smith. Okay, Mr. Binder, he kinda yeah, you know, he looked like um you know like kind of like this this Chris Christofferson sort of dude with like long hair and he wore like a vest and everything and you know uh-huh. he he'd been in bands and performed and gone on tour and now he's a music teacher you know and Mr. Yeah. Smith was this, this gay black guy who um, was involved in theater and he the one of one of his big claims to fame one of his big uh, credentials was that he was in the New York one of the New York productions of Cats. You know, okay. he's a singer, piano player. So these two guys were like very influential on my musical development. You know, we got the cool stony Mr. Binder and uh, you know, the 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 gay African American Mr. Smith. And they were both very intense role models for me as I was growing up. You know, the vocal, the the way that he sang and his freedom of using his voice and all that sort of stuff was like really, really heavy with me, man. I was like, man, be, I, maybe I should be a singer too. Look how cool this guy is, you know? So uh, I started taking guitar lessons and we were learning uh, Proud Mary, you know, and all this stuff. And I'm like, oh, that, there's nothing to this guitar playing, you know? So yeah, I can play these chords. And then I discovered bar chords. And I was like, oh, man, this is how they do it. You know, the, the bar chord, uh-huh. you know? It's almost like playing bass with one finger. So, and like around that time, I was getting into the early Sabbath, you know, so Tony Iommi of Black Sabbath, you know, there's a lot of like slow, heavy riffs on that. And I'm like, all right, I don't have to play fast like a Judas Priest song. I can play slow. So Sabbath and punk were like kind of, they came to me kind of like first Sabbath, and then a couple of years later, punk. And then I'm realizing like, oh man, I only need like two or three chords and I, I got it made. So that's, that was my introduction and why I picked guitar.
1: No, oh. all the right reasons. Yeah. So would say that, uh, um, that Tony Iommi was your like first guitar hero.
0: I would say Tony Iommi was my first guitar hero. Um, and also to some extent, was the enabler of, some, of of the guy who thought, you know, maybe it would make me think that I can actually do this thing on some level, you know? Because, like, you know, yeah. you, you listen to, like, K.K. Downing and Glenn Tipton and Judas Priest, and you're like, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not at that level yet, you know what I mean? I can't, yeah. I'm not going to be able to do that stuff just yet, you know? So that was the IOMI yeah. influence is what opened the door for me. But what really, really opened the door wider was when I discovered the Ramones. Okay? Wow. Now, Johnny Ramone, aka John Cummings, made it even more like accessible to me to be able to play guitar. You know, I mean, yeah. they they stripped it all down. It was it was like fast, but yeah. there was only three chords. So if you can play fast and play three chords, you know that was uh that was like the the you know the hidden ingredient there you know not not get too advanced you know and uh yeah so like the young version of mike hill you know i'm like oh yeah i got three chords i can play the e you know i can play g a you know and that's it Ramon's songs
1: yeah yeah i think the the the, the punk the, the the success of punk and the influence of punk on young musicians is the appeal that you actually can pull this off because one of my heroes was, I, I mentioned before that I like grew like into Metallica, like they were like a super influential band and I wanted to be like Jason used it. but when I watched like the, like then I ended up playing the guitar and I kept on watching the life should binge and purge videotape and, and all the, the, these live videos that I recorded off of Hatbangers ball and Metallica got bigger. Like, the Black Album was... I liked the Black Album, but I was, not like, never super heavy into it. But by that time, I already, like, got the older stuff. Because Justice for All was my first Metallica. And uh, I obsessed about, like, watching live videos of them. And, and just, like, then it, whenever I saw Kirk Hammond, I was, like, I don't like that guy. He's, <laughs> like, to this day, he's not a guy that I, like... I don't think, like, he... I have... I don't know like it's just not, like my him. cup of tea. Yeah. Okay. I even, even though I hate the explorer guitar James Hatfield like it was like okay I think I can do that and to this day I think like there's there's a tie between him and Max Cavalera for being the best rhythm guitar player of all times in my book.
0: Yeah. Oh dude, James Hetfield is is the premier rhythm guitar player in metal, man. That there's no one tighter than that guy when it comes to playing, man, for sure. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, punk, punk rock though. Like the other the other thing about the Ramones and for me personally was like my my parents um were really when I was growing up, I heard a lot of music from my parents and it was all like early like 50s, you know, girl groups and um you know, rockabilly, uh, you know, rock, old rock and roll stuff, you know what I mean? And that yeah. early on for me was very influential. Like, I loved, like, the Shirelles wow. and, you know, the Flamingos and stuff like that. And uh, there's, like, shadows of that in the Ramones, you know I mean? Johnny yeah. and Joey Ramone, like, there's a lot of that Chuck Berry in there and there's a lot of, um, you know, girl group kind of vocal things right. going on and subject matters, so as when i started formulating the idea of playing in a band actually i was like all right well i'm a punk you know I, I yeah i i gave up on metal because none of the punks were into metal so it's like i can't say that i like rock music because now i'm a punk you know and i'm hanging out with punks and we're like trying to make mm-hmm. make music so i really gravitated towards uh, after johnny ramone uh billy zoom from x was another huge mm-hmm. influence and you know some of the early bands i played in we were in that style um, you know, that kind of like rockabilly, punk, punk rockabilly, like thing. And, and also Johnny Thunders from, uh, from the New York Dolls. Like, so the triumvirate of like early influences for me were Johnny Thunders, Johnny Ramone, Billy Zoom, you know, and, uh, and I later found out that Johnny Thunders, his real name is John Anthony Gonzale. So I was like, all right, he's an Italian, you know, another Italian American. So... <laughs> yeah like here i mean that's uh the the
1: to me was like i was into metal and from metal i found my way really fast into death metal and i will come to this in a minute but at the same time like we, we talked about it in a bunch of episodes like because i'm a 90s kid so like everything that happened between 90 and 94 i completely like observed and and like inhaled so i couldn't like I, I i like my first things were like okay so we want to sound like integrity with that band like epson became repugnant that was like the name of the band and we like fully embraced like the holy terror sound and the guy like we everybody like worship was like a double like uh, aaron melnick the original guitar player that founded uh integrity with Dwid and his brother um and i mean he was ripping like slayer Solos and I couldn't do that. But like the general thing that he played, I thought like I can do that So like a double was like one of the one of my icons. Um, I saw Hadfield and I I was obsessed with uh, Sepultura with Arise and Chaos AD and I thought Max cavallero was one of the best frontman and rhythm guitar players always wanted to have a BC rich wall guitar which I ended up having, but being like six feet, six tall, this looks like a ukulele, so it looked (laughs) stupid. Um, So these two guys were important, but I couldn't pull off what they did. But then grunge happened. And of course I was like one of these kids that like got sucked into it with Nevermind. And of course there was like, okay, there's Kurt Cobain and he's playing this cool Jaguar guitar. And uh, I loved Nirvana. But he was not wasn't that big of an influence. But in grunge thing, the guitar player that really made me want to play better was Jerry Cantrell of Alice in Chains. Oh, right on, man. Yeah, yeah. So when when Dirt came out, I like the first like Them Bones. Like this intro is just like so heavy. I would say it's probably one of the like heaviest riffs next to We Gotta Know of uh, of Chromags. Like you know, like there's these just these riffs. that have like they're so heavy, and like I think this that's so incredibly heavy. But he could like play solos that were, I could understand the solos. I could never understand a Slayer solo. But like I think even Hanuman and King didn't understand what they're doing. But Jerry Cantrell looked like a guy that like if I practice hard enough, I could probably do it. I never did it. I should have practiced more. But he was one of my guitar icons back then.
0: Yeah, totally. I can get I get that. Like the uh, pentatonic sort of soloing that he did seemed a little bit easier to to handle than like these shred solos, you know, which which were yeah. you know death metal and a lot of the thrash stuff, you know. Yeah. 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 Well, well you know, I, I it's funny uh, looking at my list here, and there really isn't any hardcore at all on this. It's all mm-hmm. punk and then metal. And and like weird stuff. And uh, yeah, like, so if anyone out there is not familiar with the New York Dolls, you know, it's conceivable that there are people out there that are like, well, who are the New York Dolls? I mean, I think, in my opinion, they, if there was no New York Dolls, there would be no Sex Pistols, you know? I mean, it's uh, their whole guitar thing and the Sex Pistols is based based around Johnny Thunders, in my opinion. And that's a, a New Yorker American. You know, American New Yorker, Italian American New Yorker, and oh. um, yeah, if you want to check him out, man, there's a song called "Subway Train," which has always been one of my favorites. And then after the New York Dolls broke up, uh, Johnny uh, went on to form the Heartbreakers, and then a bunch of solo stuff afterwards, and then you know, passed away unfortunately due to a drug overdose later on in his life. You know, hmm. but yeah, with with um you know I, for a few years i was a punk you know <laughs> just like that's what i was doing i mean i you know, i think i posted a picture a few months ago of what i looked like when i was in high school and uh yeah i was a, i was like a little punk sort of kid you know mm-hmm. um what got me back around into metal was metallica representing the misfits and other various punk bands and hearing them talk about how they were influenced by this other style of music other than metal and how the two things kind of came together, you know, and then created thrash essentially, you know, and, 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 um, so that that's what brought me in. So head, you know, headfield is also another one of my favorites, another guy who inspired me, um, to play rhythm guitar, which I mean, at the end of the day, I guess that's what I am. I, I'm not really a lead player. I'm a pretty strictly a rhythm player, and uh, you know, so his riffs are incredible. Like I, you know, I've, I always thought Dave Mustaine was like probably the better technical player, but James Hetfield wrote the most memorable riffs yeah. out of those Big Four, and then I ha- also have to mention the dual uh, Jeff Hanneman, Kerry King, Slayer. Uh, influence too. I mean, between Hetfield, yeah. Hanneman and King, all of the best thrash riffs were written between those two guys. And the the creativity in with Hetfield and the Metallica riffs and then the Slayer riffs themselves, it's like it was fast. There was like a punk aesthetic to some of the stuff. And it was something that was very inviting for me coming from the punk Yes, and yes, hardcore world, you know, like I, oh. I never really was like straight hardcore guy, you know, I, I mean, I, of course I love agnostic front and, you know, and, and the Chrome mags and, but it was never really like my thing per se, um, you know, I, integrity came a little bit later for me uh, in the nineties, uh, but as a young person, it was like punk and then Slayer and then Metallica. And that was like, okay, mm-hmm. my playing was getting better, you know, I was all in on guitar, you know, the, the whole muted picking thing, that technique was starting to come together for me. And like Metallica brought me back around to being like, Oh, metal. Okay, cool. It's like, not just, you know, Sabbath and, you know, some of these other bands. So yeah, I, that, that brought me around. So, you know, that, that's probably the next step in my evolution here, you know? Yeah. Um, I have to ask you something, which I had in the back of my
1: mind for a while. and I meant to ask you, I, I don't know where I have this idea from, but did you play in Ten Yard Fight for a first a brief stint?
0: No, those guys were my roommates, though. I, we all lived together in Boston. And uh, John actually asked me to play, um, it, to fill in on guitar in the band for some okay. for like a European tour. But uh, okay. it was during the time when I was doing Anodyne, and we were you know, getting busy doing, you know, whatever stuff we were doing, and yeah. and I, also I just didn't look like those dudes either, you know. At the time, yeah. I had like a beard, and like my hair was all like crazy and stuff, and you know. But they were they they asked me because I didn't smoke or drink or do drugs, you know. So it was like, okay, oh yeah, yeah. you know, you could put an X on your hand, and you know, even though you look like Charles Manson, you can. You know, playing in in the band in Europe and we'll give you money. And I was like, nah, sorry. It's not good good for my image, you know.
1: (laughs) They could have given you like a champion hoodie and a baseball cap. And uh, you would have been good to go. Like seeing you in shorts jumping around stage would have been interesting.
0: (laughs) You know, I still have my 10-yard fight windbreaker, actually. It's in my closet right now.
1: That's uh, actually like if it's well conserved and you like sell it on hardcoreshirt.com or something, you could get probably like a thousand bucks for that now. Really? You think so? Dude, 10 yard fight, there is a straight edge day, which is the in memorabilia, like uh, in memory of the day 10 yard fight broke up. They're like one of the biggest things that ever happened in straight edge hardcore. And like original merch of them is well sought after. Yeah.
0: That's funny, man. Cause like, I, I mean, it, it's funny how just a few years that separates people made a huge difference back then when you were, when I was a lot younger. I mean, those guys aren't that much younger than me, but, like, they were from a completely different place than I was, man. It's like at the time, you know, they were discovering all this youth crew stuff. And it, to me, that stuff already came and went, you know. I mean, I, I was thinking about the first wave of, like, Bands I never listened to, you know what I mean? Like, like I, 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 that stuff all went right by me, man. Like bold, you know, all those bands, like the youth of today, none of that stuff means anything to me at all. You know? I mean, I like minor threat, you know, but they're just a good band. Yeah. And then the second band. Yeah. Yeah. They're a punk band. You know, then the second wave of youth crew came around and I was like, why? Like, why does anyone want to play this? you know like, why would you want to do this music you know it's just so it's already, all the songs have already been written in that style you know what i mean yeah, but yeah. That, that's just me you know i was just into different yeah. things you know
1: yeah
0: Yeah, like
1: uh i can i can see that it's like the straight edge stuff like i listened to it for a while but that never did it for me i i have like uh I wrote something down here as like a thing I want to talk about is like that uh, I wrote down two hearts. Um, I, I have two different hearts when it comes to guitar stuff and the first thing is like what originated. I think to this day, I think it's it's connected to Justice for All being my entry point to Metallica that I prefer chunky guitars when it comes to heavy music so like a lot of low end and like a lot of pounding that's what integrity brought to the table and the youth crew bands didn't have um so uh these bands like like metallica and what they spawned off was the new metal stuff that came out and i mean we did an episode on the (laughs) deftones so so like i to this day like the first corn i can listen to it but the, the sheer sound that they had, the super downtuned stuff, which later on made me also fall in love with doom metal. Um, the Deftones, I mean, Stephen Carpenter is a stupid flat earther, but like his way of guitar playing was great. And like even making a seven string guitar not sound completely idiotic. Um, I have to give shout outs to this guy and the Deftones in general, but I mean, we did an episode on that. Um, And that was the time when the first Machine Head came out, when Typo Negative released Bloody Kisses, River Runs Red by Life of Agony came out. And all these bands had like this super chunky guitar tone. And to this day, like this is something I completely love. I mean, like none of these bands like I mean machine head, yeah Rob Flynn, I think he was a good guitar player I just tried to listen to burn my eyes again, and i I don't know, it didn't pass the test of time, but um so like this 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 heavy chunky guitar thing is on the one side, but what because you mentioned like the fifties bands, my parents. They grew up and they introduced me, like just by playing the music early on, to like 60s and seven, like 50s and 60s stuff. One of the first songs that ever really struck a chord with me was uh, "No Milk Today" by Herman's Hermits. Oh yeah, okay. And it and it has this single coil. I assume now with like an ear that can like differentiate between different guitar tones, I would say it was a Stratocaster with a like through a fender amp I think there's this opening picking is a thing that did something to me and then chris isaac's blue hotel came out and this song to this day i just posted it the other day on on instagram uh, on facebook as a video because this song was so important to me it's just like the way it sounds and this was the pathway to well we did a like a recent episode on roland s howard So like this picking guitar play with like single coil guitars to do a lot of reverb, um, which also had like Roy Orbison when he was younger playing Gretsch guitars. And that led my way to the Traveling Wilburys and from there to Tom Petty. And I think Tom Petty is one of the best guitar players in my book of all times. Even he's minimalistic as fuck. But what he did and got out of these guitars is amazing. So I have this heavy, chunky guitar thing I want to do. At the same time, the single coil twang of Roland S. Howard, an absolute hero of mine, Tom Petty, Chris Isaac. Yeah, I gotta give shout out to these guys.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I actually have Roland Howard listed here too for me. And uh, you know, that's no surprise since we last episode was all about his work. So uh, yeah. But you know, it's funny. Like I actually, all these years, as much as I've loved Roland Howard, um, it's never really crept into any of the music that I've done until now. And uh, yeah. there's a um, a new project that I'm working on right now with Sarah Timms, uh, who, aside from being in Black Math Horseman and Ides of Gemini and Black Mare, she's appeared on a couple of uh, the Tombs records as the female vocal and we have two songs that we've worked on that are more or less done and are, you know, we're still adding things to it or not necessarily adding anything to it, but, uh, working on some production stuff. And that's where I'm actually doing this kind of rolling S. Howard thing on the guitar, you know, and, and it's literally one guitar track, no overdubs, you know, and it's just very minimal, but it's, uh, yeah, it's it's taken all this time to really to really figure out a way to express myself in in the sort of context of Roland Howard, you know, and and yeah, yeah, eventually over the next few next month or so, I'm sure that we'll, that song will those songs will surface in some form.
1: Yeah. Oh man, can can wait to hear that.
0: Yeah, it's it's a lot of it is is uh, like she's kind of driving the driving the boat on this one in some ways. Like it's yeah. it's kind of like the the vibe is like the lyrical content is is all her it's not really i'm just playing guitar on it
1: but i mean it took me ages to have a band like this too i always wanted to but uh now with ropes of night i can finally like live out all the influences of these bands that i love so much um and we just started. Like we will record a new seven-inch with two songs, and they're kind of like the pathway to the new stuff. We have already two songs written for the second record, and it 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 changed a lot, and it's going more into the yeah into the realms of uh, well, say uh, the Roland S. Howard stuff of these immortal souls and uh, his, his stint in the Crime and City Solution. And I've always been a fan of uh, 16 horsepower and woven hand. So David Eugene Edwards guitar playing is also really fascinating to me. And the new record of ropes of night will go more into this direction. And, uh, we've got the whole single coil thing down now. Like this, it's, it's Martin, like the other guitar player and I we just rehearsed yesterday and we're like, okay, I think we finally found exactly the tone that we want to. And, uh, yeah. I can finally like live out my influences off gun club and the cramps. And yeah, Greg Sage of the wipers. He's also one of my heroes because he's just like as a three piece, what the w- wipers did and what he got out of this guitar. It's amazing.
0: Now, yeah. sort of uh spanning uh, the punk and r- return back to metal. Uh, you know, as right around that time, I discovered a uh, black flag too. And not. greg Ginn from black flag has been this kind of spiritual uh you know director of a lot of like what i've done in guitar playing wise and and you know more prominently i think in the anodyne stuff that i've done i've done back in the you know the 90s and into the 2000s you, know, you can listen to that material and be like oh this guy definitely is is a, a greg Ginn sort of fan you know but the uh I remember I discovered Black Flag through uh, the the TV Party movie, uh, which came. I'm not I'm not TV <laughs> Party. Uh, Repo Man, the Repo Man mm-hmm. movie, which had TV Party on the soundtrack, and uh, that's kind of it's funny. Like that that movie is how I got turned on to a lot of music because that you know like Fear was on there. But my exploration into Black Flag, you know, and Greg Gaines' guitar style, like. Adding another layer to it, it was like so completely unorthodox. And, you know, I, the Ramones, you know, like Billy Zoom, you know, that stuff was all based within very conventional guitar playing. But if you listen to Black Flag, especially the later era, specifically in my head, which is like my favorite Black Flag record, there's some very, very free-form, dissonant, unconventional guitar playing going on on that record and that you know to this day like even though like you know like I don't I'm not saying tombs sounds like black flag but there's definitely you know, strains of Greg Ginn's spirit present in yeah. all the stuff that I do I think at least to me you know I can I can see that yeah. yeah yeah and then uh like around that same time there, there well, I've talked about this before there was like the uh, the WXci western connecticut uh college radio where you know where i lived in new york state it was like right on the connecticut border so i would listen to this all the time and that's how i discovered uh you know venom and and celtic frost and you know being into punk you listen to early celtic frost and hellhammer and all that stuff there's like a similarity you know it sounds very punk especially like the morbid tailed stuff you know and yeah. and um so I became like an acolyte of Tom Gabriel Fisher, a.k.a. Tom G. Warrior. And, wow. uh, you know, I think that uh, even Tripticon, his most recent stuff, is is still, he's still one of these guys who, you know, I, I liken myself to him in, in the sense that we're both amateur guitar players. Like, when neither one of us were like, you know, practicing scales and doing all this like you know shred guitar stuff. It was just very, very um, caveman and primitive and primordial in some ways. And uh, though like my playing has evolved, you know, to be more technical, there's still like that brute force element to my playing that I take from Tom G. Warrior. You know, and and you know, just his his ability to. Uh, add all this different these different elements. Like if you listen to Triptychon, you know, there's like strains of his other material. Like it sounds like there's a Celtic Frost thing going on, a Hellhammer thing. But then you can also hear this kind of like Bauhaus or Fields of the Nephilim kind of vibe that being brought into the fold. And that yeah. probably is really where like has inspired me to cross pollinate into other genres.
1: Yeah. I I w- if I would have to like like match guitar influences to your bands I would also say that Anodyne had a very high octane Black Flag influence yeah. even like pumped up to two hundred <laughs> um, and uh, yeah I mean the, the the stuff Tombs did especially like after. After the, the the first big change in sound of Tombs, I mean, when when you like when you started Tombs, it was kind of you could hear the Versoma stuff in there, and then like you incorporated blast beats, but it was still like more pop music's like wave kind of songwriting. Um, but then when you started like think with Path of Totality and these kind of bands, it was like it got more stubborn in a way. And it was more like, okay, we don't need to do like these these crazy riffs, but like we do like heavy and effective riffs, and that's what Tom G. Warrior stands for in my book. It's just like reduce it to the minimum that you
0: need and make it as
1: heavy as possible.
0: Yeah, exactly. You know, and that's and that's you know something that's still very prevalent in in like what you know what we're doing. I think as a band. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um. That what I like.
1: I have like two or three like pathways here that I want to want to attach. Um, first off, I, I, uh, I, I'm a, like, what kind of
0: like right? What kind of
1: setup do you play right now
0: with tombs? Uh, well, right now uh, amp wide. Wow, that's it's funny you mention this. I got two different things I'm working with right now. Um, literally, right now I'm playing through one of these uh, Axe Effects uh, Modeler uh, boxes, which is like my entire sound is going, coming out of the ax effects. And I'm using mm-hmm. my amp as just like the power, power stage to amplify everything. But, um, okay. So there's that. And which I just started using, but then there's the actual analog version of the amp of, uh, my setup, which is the, uh, 5150. Um, I have like a tube screamer, like an Ibanez tube screamer, uh, hmm some digital effects like digital delays. Um, I got the, uh, boss ns two, uh, noise suppressor, which is, uh, of, I, we all rely very heavily on noise suppression for like the stops and everything. Oh, no. Yeah. Our sound is very gated, very like, you know, very tight, no. like in that sense. And then I think the only other effect I use is a chorus and, um, and one of those, uh, holy grail pedals that's it
1: yeah because like one of one of the main things that i saw like in the de, in the like development of like tombs over all these years and i mean it's it's is it 15 years now already nah, i tomb? think it's like or 12 like 12 years maybe yeah. okay yeah but like i i remember when you like when we like when when tomb started out and planks was still around Planks. I my pedal board was really really big and yeah. like like a lot of loopers and super complicated. And I got rid of most of that stuff when we started to uh, like ultra because we had two guitars and then the keys came in and so. But I'm like I'm a sucker for reverb and that's like what I like the path that I want to do is like I want to talk about Kevin Shields and Martin Gore's influences in a second, but. I remember that when you like when Tombs shifted sounds and you started working with Rutan, is it true? Like, was there a story that he sent you home and said like you get to get a, get rid of the reverb and no. like practice the songs?
0: No? no, absolutely not. No way. No, that was uh. Nah, I, I mean, I don't know if that that's some like urban legend, man. Like, you know, no, that's <laughs> never happened. That's uh, okay. No, I mean, it's funny you mentioned because I have Kevin Shields listed here too but um okay yeah you know versoma was definitely in that shoegaze kind of thing and in the early yeah. early tombs was literally the day that we that jamie and i decided to not do the band literally the next day i started doing tombs like by that weekend huh. we were i was rehearsing with with what was going to become the band the first incarnation huh. of that band so you know I, I still wanted to play around with um With that sound you know so we made a couple Mm -hmm. records you know leaning heavily into that and i kind of feel like back then in like 2007 2008 there's a lot of people are playing around in that in that field you know of uh Mm -hmm. of us you know yeah we're into my bloody valentine and swerve driver and shoegaze music and all this stuff and Mm -hmm. which i love all those bands and kevin shields is like a real innovator you know with that style and that I was definitely dipping very heavily into that with a lot of reverbs and delays and all this other stuff, and uh, you know you can hear all that. Like even on Path of Totality, there's a lot of shoegazy kind of stuff on there. But yeah. it just wasn't really. I felt like I did everything I was going to do in that with that at that point. Yeah. You know, I'm yeah. like, all right, this is like, you know, this is this is pretty much run its course. Uh, you know, let's, let's add some, let's, let's do different things. And also not for nothing. I just, it's, it never, it was only one very small aspect of the way I felt emotionally, you know, like, uh, you know, that more sensitive style, I think only represents maybe 10% of the raw power that I want to unleash on people. So, you know, that's, that's why I decided to, embrace the more um you know the darker like more aggressive kind of things that we got into afterwards wow oh, okay
1: yeah, yeah. Ru- rutan mean, never like-
0: sent us home man it's like yeah we we'd written all those songs like uh for savage gold after we did path to totality and at that point um yeah we were we were just developing more into that sound and then yeah, I sent all the demos over to Eric, and he was just like, you know, down with it. And it wasn't like he's like, okay. no, you can't use effects on this record. There wasn't that okay. was like not a, not true at all.
1: Yeah, because I just remember when they when this came out, and you sent it over, I'm like, wow, this is really dry. Like it's yeah. kind of almost like a. I mean, it's a typical Ruthan kind of record from the sound, and it's also like tipping into that shellac kind of way that Albini does, where it's everything's really dry and really hard except for the and drums I'm, I'm, yeah right right yeah but um I'm, I'm always like i'm i'm such a sucker for reverb i don't know man i have like i have three different reverbs on my pedal board and uh i like to play around with this modulation and i mean kevin shields we've got to give credit where credit is due he invented something that no one has done before yeah i mean people give praise to jesus in the mary chain and i respect them i was never a big fan there's bands like Ride and Swerve Driver and all these things or Slow Dive. But like Kevin Shields and My Bloody Valentine is the OG. Like the this, this, this style that he plays with the millions of amps he uses on stage. It was next to Swans and Sun, the loudest thing I've ever seen. Um, and But like what impressed me the most with My Bloody Valentine is the, making an atmosphere with these pedals. And I mean, like Ultha, uh, neither, neither Plains nor author ever sounded like a shoegazy band. But like creating atmosphere and layers of sound with pedals is something that is really dear to my heart and which is always something I try to do. And I mean, we talked about it and it's like this this influence on film music, on like scores, on my way of writing is what made Ultha to the thing it is, like with the repetitive elements and drenching everything in reverb so you have like this sonic wall you get it like engulfed in and playing in the fog um so kevin shields and also martin gore of like Depeche mode is one of my top three favorite bands and i mean if you think about Depeche mode you don't say like oh yeah that's a guitar band but like i mean he always played guitar he just made it made it sound different and um especially when uh, Songs of Faith and Devotion came out, like the guitar played a more dominant role. And I just always was fascinated what he got out of these guitars in terms of like crazy sounds that he did. So Kevin Shields and Martin Gore have a high influence on what I do with Ulfa
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I still, I mean, Kevin Shields still is something that I... I reference here and there i mean i think with tombs though we moved away from the rhythms having a lot of reverb and going more for like an articulated gated kind of rhythm sound but some of some of the textural stuff still has like you know a little bit of that kevin shields vibe i'm gonna say this too man i'm not a big sonic youth fan i think kevin shields is a way more creative guitar player than thurston moore and lee ronaldo you know what yeah. i mean I, I actually yeah. uh, have a disdain for um for both of the for Sonic Youth as a band and those two guys as guitarists in my opinion you know they are yeah. just like uh, they're just better things out there and Kevin Shields to me is like you know the, the man when it comes to doing this yeah. kind of washy soundscapey yeah. kind of thing and and yeah. you can even hear it like even um there's a more recent artist uh, Tamarin I don't know if you're familiar with Tamarin yeah, yeah, saw her life. She's great. Yeah, you know? she's amazing. Like, early, the early stuff was great, you know? Like, I'm not yeah. so big into the later material, but the, the dude The Madonna that, worship? <laughs> yeah, it became, like, this kind of, like, party music thing, which I wasn't into. But uh, those first couple of records, uh, Waves, I think, is the first one or something like that. Yeah, yeah.
1: The, T- Tender New Waves is the third one.
0: Yeah. The, uh, the dude who plays in that band, it used to be in yeah. Port- Portraits of Past, Okay. Yeah. This like screamo band that yeah. guy's whole, his whole sound on those records is like a Kevin Shields thing completely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, totally. And that was, there was this wave when, when, when they started out and there was this wave of these retro shoegaze bands. And most of them were terrible. I mean, there's bands like nothing. They come from the hardcore scene and they incorporated this. I love them. They're a good band. Um, but like trying to be the same thing and that's the same when when this post rock thing happened and everybody tried to sound like Mogwai and it was just like an abomination after a while and that was the same thing when everybody tried to sound like Kevin Shields it's just like yeah of course you can google on YouTube how to sound like Kevin Shields and it will tell you okay you need these four pedals now and you have to have a tremolo but it still doesn't make you an inventor and like it's still if you lack the ability to write songs in textures, you're still a dumbass. Yeah. And Kevin Shields, like even the MBV record that came out like way later after Reunited, it's it's a great record. And this guy is like hands down an originator of a whole genre and a whole way of playing.
0: Yeah, you know, and, and also just like the volume and the intensity is like something that's lost on someone who is just trying to, you know, model their new, their sound after him, you know?
1: Yeah. And when you, when you see, uh, if you say sound volume and modeling, we have to mention Michael Girard.
0: I don't, I am you know, I gotta be honest, swans and Michael Girard is a band. Uh, yes. Influence, but not guitar wise. Like I, there's nothing about his guitar playing that influences anything that I've done. Really. I gotta be honest.
1: Ah, I, it has for me, mainly because I play the same guitar as he does, I does. Mm-hmm. Um, because for years I've been looking for a guitar that like actually like fits my way of playing. And when I saw Swans, I was like, what the fuck is this? And uh, I prefer double cut guitars because then I can go really high up in the frets. Right. Um, I My guitar over the year moved from like a punk rock, uh, like below the belt, to almost like in front of my chest kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and like he plays a Gibson 335 Lucille, um, which is one of the few hollow body models with a center block that is completely closed and doesn't have F-holes. And the problem with the hollow body guitars, if you play high volume, is that they tend to have a lot of feedback. And then I saw Swans play, and he played them through a 200 watts rocker verb and, and another, like, I think a Mezza Boogie or something. And I'm like, if, if, if this guitar can handle this kind of volume without doing feedback. So that was my thing. And then I got one, and it, it's probably the only instrument that will never leave my house. For me, it's kind of like the, the, the pendant to your white Les Paul guitar that I got to know you with and i've seen you play over all the years and i assume you still
0: have that yeah i still have it it's just that it's retired though at this point like yeah. I, don't, I don't use it live yeah. anymore you know yeah. or but like michael yeah sorry yeah i mean i, I that's that's completely retired like it's a it's a yeah. relic you know maybe someday i'll i'll use it for something but not right now yeah. Is the emperor sticker still on there yeah, yeah, it's the same, nothing's changed, it's, you know, it's okay. still there, it's, uh, it just doesn't stay in tune, man, and and it's, um, yeah, I don't know, it's just from a different era for me, really. Yeah, yeah, but,
1: like, coming back to Michael Girard is, um, his way of, like, what, what you can hear on songs that he wrote for Angels of Light, and, like, when... Um, when they came back with uh, my father Will guide the the ray up to the stars. I thought, no, oh, I probably like missed some words in there. But like this, this, this repetitive kind of way that he plays, like always this like one string and then a chord of like boom, bam, bam, boom, bam, bam. This kind of like accentuation of like a chord and playing around with this. This is kind of like what influenced the last Planks record a whole lot. And like the general thing that like incorporate this kind of noise where you like go high up in the frets and you like play faster than the rest. Um, so yeah, like you have a, like a certain tempo and you double the tempo with like a lot of like reverb on that and create these noise layers. That's what I learned from watching Michael Girard play, and this still to this day has a high influence on what we do with Ulfa because the, the difference is when people see us play with Ulfa, they're like why are you like why do you sound so much heavier what are you like what's your tuning like we're in drop drop d it's just like it's not that deep but we have like keyboards so like that the, the deep layer comes from there um, but uh, what uh, what we do is like we we have like this, this repetitive element and pull a lot of reverb and we play pretty much a rock like a rock band setup. It's like I play through a clean Music Man 75 watts head from the 70s, which is like clear. You can crank it up until 10 and it's still clear. And I use a tube screamer and like a distortion pedal and have this blues kind of guitar, which makes the sound that we use for Oltha and that's so different from a lot of like, we don't have, I mean, I know what you mean with gated sound, and Tombs really has, like, a full-on metal metal sound. And I think what attracts people to Ultha is that we don't sound like your, necess, like your average metal band. Not just Tombs doesn't either, but, like, like Ultha has, in that realm of sound, we sound different than most bands.
0: Yeah, no, you guys definitely have a unique sound, and I think that's cool, totally, man. It's like, and also, yeah. I, I have a Music Man, too. Um, those are great amps, and I love those. Yes, yeah, totally underrated still but it's cool because you can g- get them for a
1: for a fair price um i mean now for ropes of night i finally bought my first uh fender combo i have a reverb and reverb and it's great and i i can understand why everybody loves them so much but for ulta it wouldn't make sense but like uh the music man is great yeah and i mean we have like all the low end and all the, the crazy sounds is coming
0: from the keyboards and this like all the stuff that Andy does with all the electronics. So. Yeah. That, that you can do so much with, with synths, man. And like, just yeah, it, you know, utilizing that if you have a full time synth players is, is, is pretty awesome. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And... One of the guys I have to mention though is, uh, is John Christ of Danzig. Uh, just, oh yeah that you know that that's my my love of pinch harmonics uh always goes back yeah. to john christ and yeah. uh specifically his work on the first danzig record and uh, lucifuge which is uh yeah the second is a, I think i prefer lucifuge a little bit more over danzig one yeah same year yeah you know her black wings you know a long way back from hell those are great songs yeah
1: man. yeah
0: um do
1: you have? I mean, I'm I'm pretty much through my list with with like old school references and like originators that influenced my guitar playing. But my question would be, uh, I mean, if you're not done, we can like can like mention the others. But yeah, I would be interested in like, are there any newer people that
0: you saw that influenced your guitar playing? Well, it's funny you say that, and he's not a new guy. But I actually have two more people I want to mention. One of them is okay. a is a dude who's basically, I would say, you know, we're we're both act we've both been active for about the same amount of time, and uh, yep. it would be Keith Huckins from Rorschach, Dead Guy, and Kiss a Goodbye, ah, you know, yeah. and Keith is like, you know, basically we're the same age, you know, we're active, we both started playing in bands around the same time. Obviously, he's way more like of a an icon, you know, like people you know, Rorschach is a legendary band, you know, dead guy, you know, like they're back doing, they're doing some shows again. And there's a little bit more attention on them. There's a documentary, you know, that kind of thing. Kiss a Goodbye, you know, was a huge, uh, you know, I, to me, at least they were huge influence in the nineties, but um, just for like sheer creativity and his ability to kind of meld like a classic heavy metal sound, a heavy metal influence into into hardcore punk was like with rorschach what was was pretty you know mind mind mind-blowing you know and if yeah you know there's like the the discography of all the rorschach stuff out there called autopsy where you can get all their stuff on one disc or whatever you know what i mean and uh it goodbye and dead guy were like what i was hoping like hardcore music would would step into that being like the future of that style of music, you know, but it really ended up not being anything. It just was a footnote of a potential that was never fully realized by hardcore. You know, hardcore was too enraptured of, you know, with um, the past and convention and doing the same thing over and over again and not having any kind of real, forward thought you know that that's my impressions at least of hardcore music you know yeah but yeah yeah, yeah Yeah. great great playing all these bands are badass yeah you know and the other guy is i have to go back to uh yuli roth from the scorpions man like that dude he was um he was in the scorpions on just this, a handful of records virgin killer uh taken by force in trance fly to the rainbow and he was on the live uh, Tokyo tapes uh, scorpions record in the 70s and and any kind of um european influence in in tombs i think is can be traced back to Yuli roth you know and that's not to say that we don't rip off mayhem or watain or any of these other bands equally but yeah. i feel like that for me, that that attraction to that sound started with the Scorpions and his and specifically Yuli oh. Roth's um, contribution to the band's sound. Oh, I can see that. And he's um, a, a I, man of yours. He's a, a German fellow. German.
1: Yeah. Yes. Uh, we played a festival called
0: Hello Bahama
1: Burke, and. Uh, the year that we played, it was like a bunch of cool bands. The year after that, Yuli John Roth headlined. And I uh, like a bunch of my friends went there and they're all obsessed, like taking pictures with him. And I was like, Oh man, like I, I, I would have watched him play life. Like I, I dig some old, like old Scorpions life stuff. And I mean, I, I didn't grow up like with, uh, with Judas Priest and all these bands. They, they came later for me. Like at first I was like, Oh, it's not heavy enough. Um, but I got like around and appreciate stuff like Judas Priest now and the Scorpions, especially, and that's probably one of the bands, but I don't really know like what's the name of the actual guitar player, uh, Finn Lizzy. I mean, Phil Lynott was the, the bass player, but like, does Finn Lizzy like, have like this one outstanding guy playing guitar because the guitar playing on Finn Lizzy is just out, out of this world? Well,
0: they, they've had a lot of different guys uh, in and out of the band, uh gary moore was in thin lizzy uh you know there's there's been like i mean maybe like certain records you know the jailbreak era of the band you know that's the one that a lot of people are um you know they they reference that as being being like the the quintessential record for them so i don't know like like which 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 thin lizzy record is the one that um um
1: the Live and Dangerous record is something I always go back to, and Jailbreak and these kind of things. Renegade is my favorite, but it's just like overall the guitar playing, instant Lizzie, and also like the guitar and bass together is just so good. Um, and I kind, of, I kind of wish like I, at some point I would have had the balls to sit down and actually like practice guitar playing because like I'm I'm self-taught I've like, never had guitar lessons and. Everything I learned is like looking at people playing and stealing, but I never actually sat down and tried to play like a Judas Priest riff. Like, of course, I can play Pranking the Law and this kind of stuff, but like the really heavy riffs and uh, difficult riffs or like also like trying to play a Maiden song or yeah, Lizzy, King Diamond stuff, like just the riffing, not the solos, just the riffing. I've never done stuff like this, and I think I will probably never learn this in my lifetime.
0: Oh. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun to learn songs. I think. I mean, it's um, you know, like I, I'm not, I'm not one to to do all that much of that type of thing. But oh. you know, that's stuff oh. I like to play around with. Like when I go to the practice space, I'm like, you know, trying to mess around with ideas. I try to like learn them by memory, though. I should probably actually play along to the records because usually, oh. usually, I figure them out incorrectly you know what i mean <laughs> because i'm not like trying to play along you know
1: yeah that's the same thing at some point i get frustrated and i just go back to the, the
0: main riff that
1: i love so much and don't don't, don't learn the actual like the the, the 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 second part to the song is just like oh i just want to know this one uh i i i always want to write something new it's also like when we go to band practices, like do we have to play the old songs i kind of want to do new stuff yeah, uh, but it's so essential to rehearse
0: like the old stuff and like learn them really properly. Uh, Dude, I, I actually, sometimes I'm on the same page. Cause like, I like, I, I'm always writing new shit. So when uh, we go to practice, part of me is like, Oh man, we got to play the set again. I'm like, fuck. But then again, the other side of me of like, you know, practice being like wrestling practice where you just cycle through, your drills, you know, and you drill everything into your muscle memory so that you can, you know, really do it well. But um, but yeah, yeah. I, I you know, I, we we've been um, adding you know r- adding songs to the set, you know, because we got these tours coming up which we're gonna announce soon, and uh, yeah. you know, playing the old songs and just being like song. Like we're, we're actually added some songs that we haven't played in like three or four years, so you know it's oh, kind of cool. cool, especially since you know out of the pandemic a lot of people haven't seen us play live for in a while you know oh. we're going to have like a bunch of stuff that's um you know from records that we haven't played live in a while so so it'll be cool yeah. and That'd we changed cool. we changed some of it too actually the uh some of the older songs have a slightly different thing going on now which i think is always fun to do you know
1: yeah i i, I also
0: love this to like reimagine like some parts or like uh yeah
1: like I, we we kind of like we we cut songs together because like some of the ultra songs like they they're close to 20 minutes and we will like, just like strip them down a bit but uh yeah it's fun to rearrange stuff now yeah. yeah man it's just like let me let me get my my last ones of the list because yeah. i don't know if anybody's still awake out there <laughs> with all the nerdom um this by the way will be a gigantic playlist i assume that we will put together on Spotify, oh yeah for you guys there, there's always. gonna be a ton
0: of stuff even you know especially yeah. if so many some of you guys out there haven't aren't familiar with some of these guys like it's be really yeah. cool to check out like you know for example the yuli Roth stuff on um those scorpions records you know that might not be a household name for everybody yep
1: um on my list because we we all we, we talked about thresh and and like classic rock and, and punk and all this stuff but like when you think of like tombs and alpha you think of like like probably the, the, the genres of death and black metal and I was thinking about like is there a, like a black metal guitar player that really influenced my playing I gotta say man it's just like Emperor were like my favorites back then um so maybe maybe Ishan but I gotta say even this could bring me like get me into trouble getting like also canceled but the guitar playing of Vark in Burzem, um, especially on philosophy I think that's probably one of the most important guitar playing that black metal has ever seen because without him maybe 70% of the black metal bands nowadays wouldn't know how to play and he was so minimalistic in his approach and I mean, I, I, listened to, I started listening to Burzum before it came out that he was a fascist, but like the guitar playing and the ideas and philosophy is so simple and so good. Um, so I give kudos to that. Bill Steer of Carcass. I I was always a big Carcass fan and still like the newer stuff. I, I wouldn't buy a new Carcass record, but whatever, like when he plays, I can always you can always hear that it's him. Um, and like necroticism and hard work, they're excellent records. Um, Yeah. And then I have to say maybe the most, like the newest one that I found out about is also that I shouldn't probably mention because he got me too. But he apologized for this, but nothing is ever good enough. Um, Don't want to get into an argument about this with people, but Ryan Adams, not Brian Adams, Ryan Adams is to me, one of the best songwriters of the last 20 years. And his guitar playing in the style of Americana mixed with country and also like discord punk. Dude, I fucking love the music of Ryan Adams and his guitar playing is so crazy good.
0: Yeah. Well, speaking of black metal, um, I I have to agree with you that, uh, you know, Burzum... And, um, you know, but it's funny, these guys are, you know, one guy murdered the other one, but Euronymous and Varg are really, yeah. I would be lying. I would be remiss in leaving them off of this list too. You know, I, mm. the first black metal bands aside from, I mean, you know, Celtic Frost is, uh, and Venom are and Bathory, that kind of stuff. Besides that, the first like second wave of black metal stuff I ever heard and absorbed and loved was Burzum and Mayhem and Emperor, all three of those bands. Yeah. So I'd have to say that you know Euronymous, Varg, and Isan are are definitely huge influences, even though I can't even play remotely as anything Isan does done. Yeah, and later yeah. Emperor, <laughs> you know for sure. Yeah, um, and I, also to that list I want to add Ghoul. From uh, from Mayhem and Cradle of Filth. Wow, yeah, that guy's that guy's a pretty incredible guitar player, and you know, yeah, fuck yeah. all the cancel shit, man. I mean, even even yeah. Ghoul Ghoul apparently people are like saying some stuff about him, but it's just like you know what, man. You know, get get another hobby. You know, anyone who yeah. <laughs> he who uh, is without sin cast the first stone is what I have to say. No. Yeah, it's just,
1: it's just, I mean, we are, there's always this discussion about how can you separate artists from art and, and like everybody can make up his or her mind, and, but people have different opinions on that. And yes, of course, like Bark is a complete piece of shit, but you can't deny how influential Burzum was and still is, especially philosophum And I mean, when it comes to Ryan Adams... This guy at least tried to apologize, but never, nothing's ever good enough. I mean, it's the same thing that I mentioned with Ulfa, that people still cancel shows on us because, like, some years back, we played with Inquisition. And it, it's crazy that, like, okay, so what should we do? Like, should we, like, just, like, hang out with Antifa bands now? And we were friends with people in the Antifa, and they said, like, this is complete horseshit, And it's just, like, you know, it's so crazy. that. But it's mostly, like, the internet trolls. But you can't deny, like I don't know if you're familiar with Ryan Adams. No, but... I, I I
0: only know I know the name. I don't know any of the music, really. I got to be honest. Oh
1: man, yeah, dude. Like if you, uh, I mean, he started out as a country guy, as like a young country genius. But over the years, he he developed like a style. I I would say like it's it's he's up there with uh with Neil Young, with Bruce Springsteen, with Tom Petty. But he always, I mean, he always rocks like Black Flag shirts or, or the Smith shirts and all these, like, he did an EP that's called 1989. Uh, no, wait, it's uh, not 1989. Uh, let me see. 1984. It's a seven inch with 12 songs and they could be like a Rites of Spring kind of thing. And so he's, he's familiar with Fugazi and all these bands. But his self-titled record, Ryan Adams, this EP and The Prisoner record, they are some of the best Americana rock pop punk music I've ever heard in my life. And his way of playing is so good. Love his lyrics, love his way of singing. I will like I will put some in the playlist yeah. and I will send you the links before that. I, I I'm sure you can appreciate it too. Uh, what what did he do that got him cancelled? Like uh oh Oh, uh, yeah, he was he was in re, like he was in a couple of relationships with big stars because at some point he was everybody's darling. And I i he well, he was like not a sexual predator, but he was. Uh, yeah, we was forcing people to like kind of the Louis C.K. thing, you know, like some in that realm and just being like an asshole towards women and being abusive. And yeah. Uh, I mean, he was he was an alcoholic for a while, and like I follow his Instagram, and he's like he sobered up and he got his shit together and he apologized and he tries to do better. He went through therapy, but yeah, like he he said like I have eight records written and produced, and all the labels I worked with dropped me again and again, and I I don't know, man. I. Who knows? Like the, the the Blake Judd apologized and then like prophecy gave him money and then he fucked up again. He's a junkie. So like and who knows? Like Ryan Adams might be in the best shape of his life and he might have his shit together. Maybe at some point he will be an asshole again. I am not the one to judge. I'm the one to like give people a chance. And I think from what I saw he's trying his best and like, I want to give him this chance and I wish like people would give him a chance to release the music because their music is just really fucking
0: good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree, man. Like I, I'm, I'm going to, ch- because he was canceled, I'm going to check out his other material <laughs> because <laughs> yeah. people, because they quote unquote, they don't want me to hear his music. I'm going to, I'm going to find it and listen to it. So, yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah you know? perfect
0: but uh yeah, yeah. It, and it's such a it's a real moving target as to what's acceptable and what's not acceptable these days because even you know i don't know if this is news in europe but you know joe rogan has become come under a lot of fire here in the states at least yeah yeah, you know? and um you know people at some point i can imagine saying that oh well this guy listens to the joe rogan experience so he must be like some alt-right like nut job racist mm-hmm. Misogynist, homophobe, or something like that, you know. And it's just like yeah. I don't buy into any of that stuff. Yeah, yeah, th- that's the thing, you know. Like I,
1: I have never met Ryan Adams. I don't hang out with him, and maybe he still is the biggest piece of shit. Who knows? It's just like I can listen to the music and can appreciate it for the glory it is. um And it's the same with like Burzum Records. I mean, I. Don't like the old, like the the stuff when he tried to play fast. For me, it's pretty much just the Philosopher record. And then when he came back with Bellus, fuck all the ambient stuff and all this like other shit he did in music. But Philosophim is just like an undeniable monumental album and its simplicity and just the way it shaped everything. And I, I don't want to like prevent myself from listening to this just because that piece is a like uh, he's a piece of trash. You know? Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, it's only a—it's a modern thing, to look at the artist as like his personality and his lifestyle inter- interchangeable with his creative output. You know, that's like a modern yeah. concept, which is like complete bullshit, really. You know, what I mean, then what you, yeah. gonna, you have to go back to, you know, Beethoven and. Ricard Wagner and all these people, and, yeah. you know, and, and right. oh, I can't. I don't like him because he was this or that or whatever. He had slaves or something. You know what I mean? It's like, wow. I, I just don't know where you can. You should only take the creative output at face value, and then you can make yeah. addenda to what your feelings are about the artist. But I don't think it's just such a fucking fascist idea to like cancel people and be like, oh, well, you can't listen to him anymore because we said so. You know, I'm no. just not into that at all. And I just think that people are complicated, you know, and and um, that's just kind of how it is. You know, I just read now oh. just that ghoul, apparently someone had some article about how ghoul like follows some alt-right accounts on Instagram. So you shouldn't listen to him or you shouldn't listen to mayhem or something like that. I'm like, well, there's other reasons why you probably would want to. You know, cancel mayhem, but like, not it's not really one of them, you know. I don't know, yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, ever like, it's an open secret that Hellhammer is home and has like he has a lot of Nazi paraphernalia and also like is kind of like a, that's what I heard, and that's that's already the problem. I shouldn't even run my mouth because it's something I heard, but like a lot of bands that are like they know mayhem, they say like Hellhammer is also like an asshole that has like a Nazi and Nazi shit but i have no proof i have no idea so i will shut my mouth because i don't want to be one of these guys
0: yeah and be, being an asshole doesn't mean that you should cancel somebody i mean that's like a, such a yeah. subjective thing i mean there you oh. know there are people out there who probably think i'm an asshole which you know they oh. might be right in a certain sense
1: yeah that's <laughs> the thing with with <laughs> that's the thing with inquisition back then i mean yeah he like he did something wrong he had like this this shitty pictures and his shitty harsh noise project and he's like he apologized for this that's good for me that later on it came out that he is into child pornography makes him for me a complete bag of shit and he can go fuck off and die but if people want to listen to that kind of shit like there's music well it's the music and listen to it by god means but don't book shows for this asshole. Yeah.
0: I mean, I, I don't like I don't like Inquisition because I just don't really like the band necessarily. Yeah. You know? I yeah. mean, it's just it's not a factor for me. You know, whether the music's yeah. good or not, it's. I mean, I I don't know. I, you know, also shame on fucking metal sucks for going back 11 years into this guy's past to dig this bullshit yeah. up. You know what I mean? It's like who who's worse, the guy. Or the fucking ghoul, the ghoulish journalist hack that digs back to find dirt on somebody. Like is, is that yeah. what kind of like what kind of like uh you know vocation is that to, to find out yeah. on like these very unsavory items about people? Like what kind of fucking yeah. ghoulish vocation is that? You know? I don't know. I just
1: yeah. but that's how how the world works now. People want to have like the the dirt so they can feel better about their own miserable lives.
0: <laughs> I guess so, man. I don't know. I I just I got other things I want to do with my life besides like find go down checklists and you know and and that whole mentality. The the really disturbing thing about that is like people need to have better critical thinking skills as opposed to like having someone decide for them what they think is right or wrong. You know, no. this, this, no. this whole movement in culture is eroding all that. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. I'll be, uh, I'll be so, dead soon. In the next, you know, few years. So <laughs> uh, what, what does it matter? What I say,
1: you know, yeah, we've got better things to do. We've got to obsess about great guitar players. And I think we did our fair share of this today. Hell yeah. And, uh, I hope Alex, you're satisfied with the outcome. Um,
0: well, yeah, if if not um I'm sure I'll hear about it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so. All right, man. Well, thanks for listening, everyone, and we'll talk to you next time. It doesn't pay to try. Follow smart boys no. I just never know why